Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here today. Thank you for joining us. And I, I could not help but think as I was standing at the back and, and listening to the words, I look down here and I see this beautiful display that this was actually put up by our Russian congregation that meets a few hours later. And I read the harvest, you know, thinking about the harvest. And thinking about the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And today, we, we're celebrating a lot of things, but the past uh, few weeks ago, or a couple months ago, we were able to see on our website and pray for Chandler and Leo Goodrich as they were in Africa. Well, this morning, they're going to share with us the work that God is doing over there, and we thank God for the harvest, the harvest being full, and we thank for the workers that are willing to go out in the field and share the good news of Jesus Christ. So I pray that you give attention to as uh, Chandler and Leo will be sharing some this morning, and then when they get done, I will be coming up. But I praise God for the work uh, that God has put in your heart to do, and let's be attentive to the work that they will be sharing with us this morning. Chandler and Leo, if you'd come up and share with us, please. Well, like Pastor Chad said, let's praise the Lord for the wondrous work that he was doing in Africa and also in other places, you know. Um, this This trip was really an amazing thing. We were there, like we said, a month. And the first thing, obviously, goes to the flight. The flight was, it's a long flight to get to Zimbabwe. It was about three connecting flights, I think. Yep. Uh, we flew a total of around 35 hours. So we were up for quite a bit. Yep, quite a, quite a bit. There was one time in the plane, um, I don't know what it is about planes. I cannot sleep very easily in planes. Except when we got to Ethiopia from flying from Atlanta to all the way to Ethiopia. We flew from there to uh, the capital of Zimbabwe, and I was falling asleep about every hour. Like, they brought lunch around. That was the first time I woke up. And I was looking at the food. I'm like, oh, this is delicious. Oh, fish. Huh, I wonder how they made this rice. And then the next thing I, I know, I realize I woke up again, and they're going around collecting trash. <laughs> uh yeah, and then we, we finally got there, and we got there. I, I can't remember what day it was. Was it like a Saturday yeah, or Sunday? Yeah, it was on a Saturday that we got there. And camp started Monday. And so what happens? Uh, what happened Monday is that's usually when the kids arrive around 8 o'clock, somewhere around there. Uh, sometimes they're later, sometimes they're earlier. It just depends. We just have to be ready for it. And then first thing they do is get all their luggage put it out on the front lawn, and then we take them to breakfast. And when it comes to breakfast, all the translators, all the team members, we all help out in getting the plates to them. So we, ha um, we have the kitchen staff that prepare the food. They were amazing, by the way. Like everything we had there was cooked probably on an open fire, pretty much. A, lot, a, a, good, a fair portion of what we, what we had, which is just amazing because the food was, was wonderful. Um, but we got to help even in, in that aspect, we got to hand the, the, the kids food. And then we got into the lesson time. And if you want to share about that. So our theme this year, we went with global encounters ministry. It's based actually here. The founder lives maybe about 10 minutes away, Elizabeth Box, and she's been going overseas for about 15 years. And Zimbabwe is one of her favorite stops because when they first started being there about seven years ago, everyone was like, yeah, someone needs to go to Zimbabwe. And 
none of the other team members were like, we can go or the schedule. So she's like, well, I'll just go. It's my first time. It's our first time going. Let me see what the environment's going to be like. And to this day, for the last seven years, she's the only one that goes because that's her favorite. And so she's seen some of these kids grow up from being kids in the camp to actually working as translators and part of the ministry. Um, we work in partnership with um, Hands of Hope. Um, they are based originally, I believe, in South Africa. And what we did was we were at the Hands of Hope um, complex, which is outside of Harari. And these kids that you see in all pictures behind us, like these are all of our favorite kiddos, um, where they, how we are able to get in contact with them is they work with um, villages. So Hands of Hope has a heart for the unreached kids, the ones that just either have no legal guardian or they may have um, a mom that's in South Africa working, so they're on their own. Um, a couple of the kids that we've got in contact with, they're 14 and 7, and the 14-year-old is raising the 7-year-old because mom is in South Africa working and she just sends money. So these are kids that are basically on their own. So what Hands of Hope does is they work in partnership with churches that are in different villages, and they have what's called, um, excuse me, Hands of Hope houses. So what these houses are are where the kids can get education, they can have a good meal at least once a day. And so these kids that you see behind us are the kids that they're ministering to. And either they've done really good with their grades or they're just part of the ministry that the team leads of these homes are like, these kids need to go to camp. We got a chance to work with them. So as you can tell, I mean, they're typical kids. I mean, it's just like any other kids camp. So they come, they stay with us. They're rowdy as I'll get out, but you know, not too bad. Um, <laughs> but then at the same time, what Global Encounters is able to do is to just partner with them, but also share the gospel in a way that meets them. So this year, our theme was the identity in Christ. And the very first day, we told them how we are all lost. We need a savior. And so we do that in multiple ways. We take one theme of a day and we share it in little bite-sized forms in the games that we play, in the stories that we tell, in the large group stories, the Bible verse that they learn. We even do it in craft. I mean, I don't know whoever is craft person around here for Vacation Bible School, but you know how hard it is to take a biblical concept and make it into a craft. And we had a great craft guy. His name was Seth. And yes, guys can do crafts, just so y'all know. So that's another area for VBS we need help in. So, you know, I'll put that plug in for next year. And so this is where all the kids get to see that they need a savior. And so my game, I was games this year, and we played volleyball. That's what we did that day. And we played it in a, such a way, we called it get out of jail, that whenever someone lost a point, they lost a team member that went to jail. And so at the end of the game, you had two options of how to get your person out of jail. You either scored three points, and then the person got to go back into the game, or if you had one person left on the team and they scored a point, everybody was freed. And we were able to share that with these kids. Like, hey, you know how like in that game where you, you couldn't save yourself, 
You needed someone. That's how it is for us. We need a savior. So we just did practical things. It wasn't anything like, oh, we have to share a story and these kids have to understand. It was taking things that they understood. And for me, that challenged me here because I know when I get the, oh, we need volunteers or, oh, you know, just go and share the gospel with your coworker, you kind of get a little nervous. Like, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm going to forget a Bible verse or something. But I'm like, no, you take what's right in front of you that God has placed. And that is how you can share the gospel. And so that was something that really encouraged me the entire month, how we took little things and we were able to share the Lord to these kids in the way that they could understand. I mean, thankfully, most of them did speak English. Zimbabwe's official language is English, but you still had the little ones. You have your threes and fours that are still learning. And yes, we had four-year-olds because mom would be a translator. So we have a couple little ones that you might have seen me or Chandler holding on to. But even our regular school age, six and seven-year-olds, they had a hard time learning English. But we were still able to communicate, not just through our translators, but just by showing love and spending time with them. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing about that is they could, when they were learning their Bible verses, the, the main language that they speak there is Shona. Their trade language is English, and that's primarily what they're taught in school. Um, but most of the time when you hear the kids talk, like their heart language is Shona, or and then there's Debeli. But um, mainly Shona, and a lot of the kids there, they could either learn their verse in Shona or English. And so I have a fascination with languages, and so I, I tried learning um, the verses as well. And there's this kind of a funny story with that um, that I'll have Lael tell in a second. But um, it was a great way to just connect with them. I think it was I think it was a quote from Gandhi. I can't remember who said it, but it was if you speak to somebody in a language they understand, that goes to their head. But if you speak to them in their mother tongue, that goes to their heart. And that was that was really important to me. So I was trying to just soak up as much shona as I could with the kids. And I would ask the translators how to say certain things. Like, if I wanted to say this, how would I go about it? And that's honestly one of the best ways to learn a language is in context. And that's why they say immersion is good. Um, there's a lot of phrases that I just, I have not forgotten to this day and I haven't used them in a good while. So like I was surprised, I think we, I was going over my, um, my Shona verses yesterday and I remembered like three, four of them. It was, it was wild. So I would do that just to help the kids out because, um, there was a lot of downtime where they would just practice their verse and practice their verse and. I think it was a it was a really cool way to connect with them because there was one point like where I was I was completely surrounded by kids. <laughs> it was it was very fun. Um but you know that's just like here in the US, everywhere else love is spelled T I M E if you've ever heard that saying before. Um and that's true. You don't necessarily have to speak their their language to have a great conversation with them to pour into them, to show them that you love them. And it was amazing. I, I, I personally, I loved it there. I loved spending the time there. I didn't really miss home that much just because 
I loved spending time with the kids there. Uh, they were they were a really really great group, and it was fun to um, and it was it was an honor that we were able to pour into them and go and go that far away, you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, like she said, we would share in we would share a message in about five different ways. So usually how that happened was there was a, a big morning rotation and all the different, the different team members had different things. So there were like two story stations, a craft station and two game stations. First week I got to do the story station. And one of the best ways to, to tell a story is not to just stand and speak it, but to get the kids involved. So at first, you know, you're, you're still trying to figure out how to tell the story and keep it in a short 20, 25 minute time frame, But Eventually, you know, you get them all up and uh, standing up and being involved in the story, and it's a really cool way to to share with them different um, the different lessons. They had one lesson where they thought somebody would accept uh, somebody went to jail and was freed, and they thought he would accept the the grace that he had been given, but I asked them, "What what do you think is going to happen? Did he do?" Did he accept it? And a couple of them said yes, because they thought it was going to be yes. But I told them, no, that's not true. It didn't. Sometimes, you know, it, it was a hard lesson to learn. And it's an easy way to learn a, lar- a hard lesson, you know, that sometimes people just don't accept the grace. You can do all this work and sometimes they just won't accept it. And, you know, that's that's when we rely on on God's timing and in particular, uh, we definitely needed the Lord for the, the fourth week. I mean, we needed him for all the weeks, but fourth week uh, was really tough. But before we get into that, there is a, uh, a sort of a funny story that I'm going to have Lael share about <laughs> about the uh, learning Shona verses. Well, um, like we said, we did a lot of different Bible verses with the kids, and they were learning in English and Shona and I did not learn Jonah. I tried. I did. But I'm a Texas girl, which means, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I tried. I think I got like half of a verse, and that was it. But, of course, Mr. You know, South Carolina dude here who has every language in his head probably, he learned them all. And one night, I, we're sleeping in our area. We had like a separate, um, kind of like a dorm style um, tent, not tent, sorry, we weren't in a tent, cabin, cabin thank you, um, a thatched cabin, and I'm lying in bed, and then all of a sudden, I hear Chandler talking, I'm like, oh, what did I miss, babe, and he's talking in Shona, and I'm like, what, like, what did he say, and I'm like, he is asleep, sleep talking, in Shona, I'm like, what? I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And, of course, the next morning I go up to him. I'm like, babe, you were talking in your sleep. And he's like, oh, really? What I say? I'm like, I don't know. You're speaking in Shona. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So that is how immersed Chandler was getting that even in his sleep he was talking Shona. But like we were saying, that was a funny note. And we had a bunch of those fun stories. Like we and we went to a safari. We were able to see the animals. You can probably saw pictures of elephants and zebras and cheetahs and you probably also saw another picture that showed up but on our way to church we regularly had an interesting kind of traffic jam we're on a road with a bunch of potholes in it 
And that's when the local farmer will drive the cattle down to the river. And so we're trying to cross this one bridge, and we're going like two, three miles an hour maybe, waiting, trying to get out of the way of the cows, basically. And we just we just drive through. And there's not just cows, but there's also really young sheep, young calves, goats, everything else, and a random guy on a bicycle. He showed up a lot, <laughs> which was really interesting. I've never had that kind of... Uh, traffic jam before <laughs> yeah, so next time we're late for church we'll just tell pastor chad we ran into some cows on the road there you go <laughs> uh but yes we had a lot of just wonderful adventures and fun things we did amazing food but of course the lord likes to put in that trial just to see how well are you going to still follow me and it hit the whole team, actually, on our fourth week. Um, to give you a little bit of a background, um, most of the kids that we were able to minister to had been to camp before. So the first three weeks of kids, they knew how the camp would run. They knew the rules. I mean, they were like, we got this. We've been here enough times. I mean, I even saw some of my kids that I got to work with last year when I was there. So it was just a routine. Well, the fourth week was a new um, children's home that just opened up a couple months before. They first were doing just like a kindergarten, but now they were working with our um, elementary age. And so we got the info. They're like, hey, y'all are doing music camp for kids that we've never had before. This is their first camp. So good luck. Not in that many words, but basically that's what it was. So we're like, okay, we're going to pray this through. I mean, Sunday, we all chilled, relaxed. We got into our final week of camp. For some of us, we've been there the entire month, so we're kind of sad anyway that it's our last week with the kids, but we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to end strong. This is going to be the best week ever. And Monday hits, and it was bad. Like, it was bad. We had um, some team members, Shannon and I, were actually pulled out. We had to go take care of some health things that hit us. Um, one of my team members got hit in the head while she was playing gaga ball, which is kind of African. Well, we play it here too, but it's basically like kickball on steroids. And then we also had kids where they weren't listening. Like, so imagine having those fun kids as I call it here in the States that don't speak your language and they're doing whatever they want. It's kind of discouraging, kind of hard. And you're like, what are we going to do? Like, this is bad. Like these kids are rough and you know, the background, like I said, these are kids that have been raised on their own and in an African culture, it's all about competition and who's on top is who's going to live. And so when you have that background, and new kids, you're like, God, what are we doing? Like, what are we going to do? And what we should have done, like all the other camps, is pray. And so that day, right after um, the rotations, our team got together and we prayed. Um, Chan and I got back from some stuff that we had to do in town, and we found the team just on their knees saying, God, we need you. We need your help. We've got team members out that are sick. We've got injuries. We've got kids that aren't listening. And we just want to share the gospel with these children because this is their first time even being here at camp. We need you. And like God, who is so faithful, 
the very next day, Tuesday, we saw the change. We saw the kids being more um, engaged with us. We were, all of us were healthy-ish <laughs> to get through the day. And we saw the power of God working and moving. And what we did, a little different than most, we don't really give a gospel invitation until Thursday of camp. Because like we said, love is spelled in time. And so what Elizabeth has found with kids is that they need that time to build that trust. They need that time to build that love before they can accept the gospel. And so on Thursday, after kind of a bumpy start and getting our momentum, we were able to share the gospel with these kids and say, hey, this is the day. This is the time. And what was really neat was that that week, Chan and I were on separate teams. We had our own groups of kids. So between the two of us, we had about 22, 23 kids. And we had translators working with us. And we had gone through our week, just gone to the Lord on our knees because of health issues. And we're like, Lord, we're tired, we're beat, we're done, but we need you right now. Help us to share with these kids. And neither one of us had talked um, that morning about what we were going to share with the kids. But like God and with marriage, you were one. It was like, I need you to share how bad of a week you two had. I need you to share with these kids that, hey, we were out on Monday because of this. And God showed up in our lives. And he was faithful. And he gave us strength to continue on with the, the week, even though we were having a really hard week. And God was faithful. And that's what both of us shared. Without talking to the other, we both said that to our children and said, hey, the God who does this for us, he's there for you. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be there. When you're having your really rough days, rougher than what uncle and auntie went through, he wants to be there. And only all praise goes to God for this. But our entire teams got saved. <laughs> all 22 of those children. <laughs> And what the Lord did that last week showed me that he is faithful. And even though it was a hard road to get there, and we were blessed by y'all church members that gave to our trip, thank you so much for your generosity and listening to the Lord because it came literally at the exact moment we needed it. So I want to say thank you to you guys. You know who you are seeing his faithfulness to get us there and his faithfulness to keep us there and his faithfulness to bring us home has been so wonderful. And so just to kind of close it off, cause we still have the rest of church. I just want to say thank you to y'all as our church family, because some of y'all would text over messenger and say, Hey, we're praying for you. And it came right when we needed it. Like, there were some rough weeks even before, rough days, and I would get a text from Miss Roxy. She'd be like, hey, we were praying for you guys on Monday. I was like, thank you. I was like, we needed it. Um, so I just want to say thank you. And also challenge up because like Pastor Chad has been saying for the last several weeks in his heart and ministry is the fields of life. We have kids overseas all over the world that need to hear the love of Jesus. And for some reason, God took the two of us <laughs> and 
And if you ask our family and friends that are sitting back there with us, we aren't anything special, trust me. But he took us, he chose us to go to Africa to work with these kids, to love on these kids. And I know that as the Lord leads, I would love to see a bunch of my family here at Living Way come with us next year. Because not just in Zimbabwe, but we go to Thailand, Mexico. Um, we've got a group now actually this week in Thailand that I would love to just pray for as well when we close. Um, they're working with some harder reach kids in Thailand. And sometimes they are able to go to neighboring countries, but sometimes not. But um, I know that the Lord is working in these kids and that even though we may not get a chance to be with them now, we can be with them and pray for them on a daily basis. So if any of y'all, if anyone would like to, um, just in your own families would like to have some names, um, I actually kept track of, I think, did you keep track, babe? I know I did. I've got a few names. Okay. Um, I've got my four teams that I had and I have all the kids' names. So if any of y'all would like to just take one or two or three kids that you would pray for, please Find me on, um, on a Sunday or Facebook, message me, um, and I would love to give you some names that y'all can pray for on a daily basis. And who knows, maybe if y'all go next year, you might get a chance to meet them too. So um, the last minute or two of our time, is there any questions about our trip? No? Okay, hey, Chan, how about you close us in prayer and pray for Thailand? Oh, of course. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the work that you do, and thank you for involving us in it. Thank you that whether it's in another country or in our very own, God, you are working, and you care individually about each of us. God, you're so big that you can care about us individually all at the same time. That is something humans have a lot of trouble doing. So thank you, Lord, that you are teaching us how to love. Thank you for the ones that you give us to love. God, I lift up the Thailand mission right now. Thank you so much that you brought a team there. And thank you that you brought kids there. And I pray that you will <clears throat> work in their hearts Work in the hearts of those kids and help them see that they need a savior, that they have a new identity in you. And help us here see our own identity in you. Because God, you made us just as new as you made them. When you saved us and you forgive our sin, all of it's gone. We're cleansed from every bit of it. We're not the same thing cleaned up. We are a brand new thing. So God, thank you for that. And I pray that you will help the team members remember that. Help them get their verses down so that they can teach the kids. And God, I pray that you will do amazing works there and here. I ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Thank y'all so much. You know, I, as I was thinking and listening to them, I heard a pastor quote, and I repeated his quote. Matthew 28 says to go. He didn't promise we'd come back. And I got to thinking about that. There's an urgency for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you have been changed by Him, I pray that that fire burns in your heart. That you would share the good news of Jesus Christ. I thought about... They didn't know what I was speaking on this morning and and, uh, they didn't have a clue. I didn't know the harvest was going to be up here. But one thing they was talking about is the children wouldn't listen. And they prayed to God that their ears would be opened and they'd be calm. And all the bad things that they had experienced that God would just take over. And it just hit my heart this morning to, wow God, you opened my eyes to something I didn't even know was going to be said. You see, this morning, we in Hebrews chapter 3, and the title of the sermon, it's not going to be a long one, I promise you, but the danger of not listening. I praise God that it's not up for me for people to be saved. He uses me to share the good news, but He alone saves. And we're to be the instruments of His Word. But if I could share with you real briefly, when the twins were born, we were living in Pennsylvania, and uh, we took a sabbatical to come back. The twins were infants, and we lived in a place in Greenville, apartment complex called the Chimneys. There were four on the bottom and four on the top, and we had moved in there, and a county corner across from us on the lower level was a mother, her daughter, her mom, and her aunt. Now, the daughter was almost Tiffany and I's age, and they had this German shepherd, which is the oldest dog I've ever seen. He had a little diaper on him, and, and, and you know, he run around. Well, the mother and daughter went out of town for a wedding, so the mom, grandmother, and the aunt were there. Knock came on our door. My son Stephen was visiting us from North Greenville, so he was there, and the lady knocks on our door, and she says, Sir, I was told that you would help me. I said, How can I help you, ma'am? She said, Our dog is asleep in the hall, and he won't, he won't, he won't, he won't move, and we want to put him in the living room. I said, Okay. She said, Will you help me move him into the living room? I said, well, I would. So, of course, I grabbed my son. If you're ever in the ministry, your children are involved too. You always got to grab them. So I, I get him. We go to this house or apartment. We go in, and there's the dog. I said, hey, buddy. Well, he, he, he's been asleep a long time. Permanently. He had, his tongue had actually dried to the floor. 
And I told the lady, and my son was looking at me, I said, ma'am, I think he's departed from us. No, he ain't. He's asleep. I said, yes, ma'am, he is, but it's permanent. He's not with us. He's fine. I said, okay. She said, will you move him in here to help us so we can watch him? I said, okay. So I told my son, I said, if you'll grab the head, I'll grab his back legs and we'll take him and unfortunately I'm not trying to be bad but he has struck the floor and we're trying to you know and my son's about to turn seven shades of color you know and we're struggling we finally get him up and we move him into the living room and I said ma'am the dog's dead he's fine okay so we laid the dog there we covered him up with a blanket and we went in there and my son's telling everybody on the phone about this I'm telling you, it's one of the illustrations I've been looking to use for years. Only the second time I've been able to use it. About two hours later, she comes and knocks on the door, and she says, sir, I just want to let you know my dog died. I said, really? <laughs> so I'm sorry to hear that, and it was a sad situation. I'll tell you all this, but the truth was around them, but they wouldn't listen. Brothers and sisters, the truth is around us. It's in us. We must listen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Let's stand as we read this text. Hebrews chapter 3. Begin in verse 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried by testing me, and I saw my works, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation, <clears throat> and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said today, if you hear this voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their disbelief. You may be seated. As the writer of Hebrews is, is, is writing to the Jewish congregation, the Jewish people, this is a second warning about falling away. You see, what he will say with this is, today if you hear his voice, the writer is quoting Psalm 95. Psalm 95, it's interesting that the writer does this. He said, if you hear His voice, the Holy Spirit says. In Hebrews chapter 4, 
Verse 7, he'll quote the same psalm and say it's a psalm of David. But here he says it's the, it's the word of the Spirit. Why? Let me clear it up for you. David didn't write the psalm. He just had the privilege of holding the pen. All Scripture is God-breathed. Paul tells us very clearly in Timothy that all Scripture is breathed by God. It is all by Him and Him alone. And he says, listen to the Word. Do not harden your hearts. What he is trying to tell to, uh, tell these believers is I believe the same thing that's going on today. That there's so many things that, that choke us out, that make us afraid, that turn us from, from the Lord and turn us into the world because we, we can't surrender to who He is. We call it, if you will, carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity. I do not like that word. Because the Word tells me that if I am in Christ, I am not carnal. But yet through time, we have seen that it's, well, it's okay to have a little bit of Jesus and have a little bit of the world. You can't have it both ways. And what he is saying here is, look, this group who is probably being influenced by outside Judaizers or those wanting to refer back to the code of Judaism or to those outsiders who is making fun of Christ, he's saying, look, hold unswervingly to your faith. As the Spirit said in Psalm 95, listen, do not harden your hearts like learn from your ancestors. You see, the interesting part of this is what I want to make clear the, the, the book of Genesis tells us about the people that were in bondage. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews, where I talked about last week, that Moses delivered them, delivered them from physical bondage. However, he could not lead them into the promised land. He was flawed. And he could not take them into the promised land because of his sinfulness. Now, the very interesting thing about this story is this. Listen to me. That that whole generation, that whole group of people did not make it into the rest of God. What was the rest of God? That land beyond the Jordan, the promised land. Two people made it in there. And that's Joshua and Caleb. Because they were obedient to the Word of God. Look what he says. Do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. As on the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and saw my works for 40 years, they saw the hand of God. They saw themselves getting fed when God fed them. They saw His hand when He'd give them water when they were thirsty. He held on to them, but yet they still complained. Does it sound familiar today? And so many times we turn from what God has given us because we think we deserve something more. Let me assure you, God does not like those that complain. But He says to listen to the Spirit that our hearts would not be hardened. Let me encourage you this morning, brothers and sisters, if you were born again believer in Christ, just like you heard Lael say just a few moments ago, you stay in His Word and you take it to God in prayer. I know a lot of times we get through so many situations when we don't want to be bothered. Have you ever been that way? Now I know me. When I'm sick, I don't want you messing with me. I want to sit there and soak in my misery. Some people like to be pampered when they're sick. I don't. 
But sometimes we all even like that when we get ill with the world or we get frustrated or we get into situations we don't want people near us. We want to be left alone. Let me encourage you this, brothers and sisters. That is the very time that we need to be taking everything to the cross. And what are you saying? Look, yes, you're going to face persecution. Yes, things are rough. But learn from your ancestors. I promise them rest. And the same God that led them out of bondage will lead them into the promised land if they will believe. Do you believe Christ is enough? Do you listen to the words that are said? You said He listened to the Spirit. There's a reason why He applied this psalm. It's because there's so much that we can learn. He said, they saw my works, but I was angry because they always went astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. Which means this very clearly. Disobedience equals cursings. But obedience equals blessings. We are to be faithful, God, through the times where there are trials and tribulations. We're to be faithful. You see, I'll be quite honest with you. You see, I look at this, and I think about this, and it reminds me of the parable of the sower. And several times we have gone through this passage in Bible study. And we talk about the seed that was scattered. Remember, there was some that was scattered on the pavement, and it was immediately consumed. Then there was some that was scattered in the rocky, but they took sprout, but they were easily destroyed when persecution came. Then there was those that were sowed into the thorns and thistles, if you will, and they were choked out by the worries of this world and the desire for wealth. Can you hear me? And I've heard of many a pastor and of many a people say, well, look at all the saved groups and the lost groups. Let me tell you something. There's only one seed that fell in good soul, brothers and sisters, and heed to that. One. Which he's telling them very clearly, look, I am the way and the truth. I am the true and living God. You put your trust in me. You look apart from me, you will fail. There's an urgency for each and every one of us to no matter what we go through, if you believe Jesus Christ has saved you, then you must believe that he will sustain you. And you hold to Him with all your heart. Because He gives us a warning. You know, my daddy used to tell me I had a head of concrete. Because I didn't listen. I had a tendency not to hear what was said. The truth, again, would be all around me. But yet I wouldn't listen. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there's a warning for not listening. But I want you to hear real clearly, how do we remedy this? Number one, like I said, you look to God's Word. Listen to what the Spirit says. He is the proclaimer of everything that is in this right here. I believe that the Word of God is His from Genesis to the end. I believe that everything He says is real. I believe that, listen, if it is not in it and He didn't say it, then you better be careful before you quote it. God's Word is real. He says, listen, you hold to the Word of God. I would ask you today, how much time do you spend in the Bible? When you're going through something, do you spend time in God's Word or do you run from it? Do we learn? Do we listen? Or do we flee? I often tell many people that everything you need to know is, about, is in God's Word. I have had people come up to me and tell me things and say, you know, this is what the Bible says, show me. Let me assure you this. God will not, nor any person of God, will give you something contrary to His nature. If it is in Scripture, it is truth. If it is not, it's probably man-made. 
Careful what you read. Careful what you listen to. You listen to the Word of God. He said, they would not enter into my rest because they shall receive my wrath. Now, I want to talk to you about analogy. Brothers and sisters, listen to me good. As he gives this second warning here, there are people saying, you talking about these guys that are losing their salvation? No, I'm going to tell you, these are people that are fascinated with Christ instead of followers. And you've heard me say this many times. I believe with all my heart, if you are truly born again believer in Jesus Christ, that he will sustain you to the end. But I'm going to tell you this. There are people that maybe made an emotional decision. They may think they're saved because their grandpa was. They might have think they're saved because they've been baptized. But let me tell you this. You are responsible for you. And there's no such thing as being grandfathered in. That was part of their problem. The only salvation is through Jesus Christ and Christ alone and putting your faith and trust in Him. And he says, listen, listen, verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day. Number one, you stay in God's Word. Number two, listen, we're here to encourage one another. One of the things that I believe that the church has has, has, has said, and I want to be careful because the church is a holy word, his born-again believers in Jesus Christ, but I will say, I'll put it this way. I think there's one thing that, that, that the congregation struggle with today, and that is discipleship and encouragement. Like you've heard me say before, many people have heard me say the chunk and dunk philosophy. See somebody come to say, have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, amen, hallelujah, boosh, send them out into the world. Let me tell you something, sheep reproduce sheep. We are not only to, to go out there and share the good news of Jesus Christ, but like they were talking about, make disciples. We speak the words of truth. Let God take care of the results. But as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we are saints that need one another, that share with one another, that encourage one another. You know, I shared this uh, this past week with a newsletter, and again, not to put a plug out for it, but I will, that if you don't receive our newsletter, let me know. Send me an email address and I'll send it. I write it every Monday morning. And what I shared with that this week was, Something that I thought very interesting, one of the best illustrations I have ever heard that Chuck Swindoll gave was about geese. And he was talking about the things that he took away from these Canadian geese. Now, I know a lot of people don't like them. They will eat like a horse. But I'm going to tell you something about them. And he gave this illustration like this. He said, did you know that when geese, the reason they fly in that V formation is they will rotate leadership. So when one goose gets tired, another one will take his place. He also noted that when one of those goose gets sick, two or three will fall out of formation to stay with it until it's better. By flying the way they do, they give each one of them more lift than the one behind them. And the ones that honk, you see, that's the ones in the back. Those are the ones that's the back, so keep on going. We got you. And the whole illustration is this. Just like geese, we are all made to work as a team for Jesus Christ. Whether you're leading, whether you're flying, whether you care for the sick, or whether you're honking, you matter. And we're all working together. Encourage one another. Because here's the thing. Encouragement is not always, hey, buddy. But sometimes encouragement is taking them by the scruff of the neck. If you've ever seen my dog, or seen my, I had a Dalmatian that had a sack full of puppies, and she'd pick them up by the scruff of their neck and take them where she needed them to go. What I'm saying by this, no, I'm not trying to say abuse, but I'm saying this. Sometimes we need to be grabbed and jerked up and say, let's go now. Get up! Give me one more round.
Because I praise God for those people that encourage me. And sometimes it took intense fellowship. But they cared enough about my soul. They cared enough about my soul that when I was down to pick me up and encourage me in the name of Jesus. Amen. But I also want to share with you, oh, I got my, I'm about to say I'm fixing to go blind with my last note. But listen, not only do we encourage one another, but listen, there's a consequence that if we don't, you see the sense of urgency that he is communicating with them is look, you hold to the Word of God just like He said. You encourage one another to keep pressing on because if you don't, I want you to understand that every minute that we're in here, somebody dies. Do you realize that? But as we studied this morning, angels rejoice over one sinner that comes into repentance. The Word of God matters, people. It matters. And if we don't adhere to it, and we don't hold to it, not only will we not enter into rest, but we take other people with us. I cannot help but think of Jesus when He was talking to the religious self-righteous. Woe unto you, for you travel earth and sea to make one proselyte, and when you do, you make him twice the son of hell as you are. In Greer Indian, you go into hell and you're taking others with you. But we're to encourage people not to look outside of Scripture, but to look to Scripture and look to our Savior Jesus Christ. And we're to encourage one another. I want to tell you this. Look what he says. Do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when he had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses and with whom he was angry for 40 years? Forty years. Because they had trust issues and they didn't listen. And they see, have you ever thought about this? These people seen the waters parted. These people saw the plagues. They seen the hand of God. But just like me and you, listen, this is the meat, listen. We get our eyes off Jesus Christ for a second. Then our minds begin to wonder. And then when our minds begin to wonder, then we begin to grumble. And we begin to grumble, we begin to think of things in our own way. And we think of things in our own way, we slowly begin to change our vision instead of Christ-centered to us-centered. That's the problem. Where's your focus? I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, this morning. Look, I'm a flawed man. We're all flawed. But we serve an unflawed Christ. So I pray that you listen to His Word. But not only do you listen to His Word that you reflect Him in all aspects of your being, but you get that sense of urgency to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else. Listen, all of us are called to be ministers, pastors, or teachers, but we all called to be missionaries. And whether it's in Tudor Town, in Greer, Greenville, or whether it's in Zimbabwe, God has lit a fire in your heart if you're saved. And that fire will share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else. You know why? Because let me tell you something. Nothing in this world will ever bring you satisfaction because every single one of us has got a God-sized hole that only He can fill. I don't care what money you have. I don't care what anything else you have. You will never be satisfied. You'll always be searching. 
But I can tell you this. True peace and blessedness is found in your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I pray that you look to Him. You pray for our missionaries. I pray that every single one of you, like she and he just said a few minutes ago, that you pray for these teams. You know, I want to close with this. I've shared this before, but I think it's necessary because I want you to understand. When Tiff and I were commissioned as North American missionaries in Indian, not Indianapolis, at Baltimore, Maryland, like I said, during our commissioning service, they had it closed because we was actually commissioned with international missionaries too. So they couldn't tell where these people are going. And as we sitting there, they had different areas set up that when you got through with the commission service that you could go hang out in your area and then people could come by and pray with you or talk to you a little bit. And I'll never forget this. And Tiffany had left. The kids were infants that did not really at toddlers at this time, little bitty, and she had taken them to the restroom and everything. And I was standing, I was in the Northeast. And taking into consideration that during this time when we were going through this, that all the Indian tribes, or most of them in Oklahoma, had came together to provide music for the service. And all these Indian ladies were there and all the different tribes, and it was so beautiful because I didn't know that they could tell what tribe they were by their beads or, or, or their colors of their dresses. And it was so beautiful. And this lady walks up to me, and, you know, when people come up to you, I try to, hey, how you doing, you know, God bless, thank you. You know, I, I try to, I want to treat everybody with respect, and I wasn't expecting that. You know what's funny about listening? You ever thought about this? Most people don't listen. They're waiting to reform or form a response after what you after what you just said. That's our that's our natural tendency, and we're looking to form you know form a response. But I was I was doing that, and then she said, "Can I tell you something?" I said, "Yes, ma'am." She said, "I want to thank you." I said, "For what?" She said, "I want to thank you for serving Jesus because it was somebody like you." that brought the gospel to my people. And we're saved. Thank you. Because somebody took the gospel. The best people to reach a people are those that are indigenous to the area. Period. I wasn't indigenous to central Pennsylvania, but I can tell you this. God showed me that if I pour my heart and everything that I am into people, sheep will reproduce sheep. That's why we go to other places. Because we pour our heart into the people. And those people pour the gospel into others. Amen? That's what it's about. Thank you for your service. And you know what? Maybe one day one of you may be the next missionary to overseas. Or maybe you may go to Maine, Pennsylvania, Florida, or maybe even Greenville. But I'll tell you this. You develop a sense of urgency. Because I can promise you that one out of every one person dies. And that fate's all the same for us. And there's no in-betweens, no matter what religion or what anybody else says, be careful who you listen to. When you leave this world, you're either in the presence of Christ or you're separated from Him. That's what the Bible tells me. And I believe the Bible's 
inerrant and infallible. And you may be here today and you say, Chad, I don't know where I stand, but you can know because today is the day of salvation. Just like he says, you listen to the Spirit today. The Bible tells me that whosoever shall call upon his name shall be saved. Let me tell you something. It's placing your faith and trust in him and turning to him and turning from the world. I honestly believe with all the shot of my, without a shadow of a doubt, the Word of God is very sincere and He is very true that He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. There's nothing that you can do to save yourself, but you can place your faith and trust in man who paid the price on the cross. And if you turn to Him in faith and you repent of your sin, He will save you, He will sustain you, and I'll tell you this, whether you live one more day on this earth or whether you live 50 more, I can tell you this, just the same Jesus Christ that saved you will be with you to the end. And there's no greater peace than that. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for this day. God, I pray as we uh, just continuing to just celebrate all that You've done, all that You're doing, God, I pray that You continue to uh, use Chandler and Lel for Your glory. Lord, others that are part of their team, whether it's in Thailand, Mexico, God, I pray that people would listen. The day is the day of salvation. God, I pray that people would not only listen to Your words, but listen to the sense of, of, of urgency that You have placed upon our hearts that we must go. Because God, You alone are worthy to be praised. And Lord, we may never know this side of heaven who will be saved. Lord, it's not up to us to save them. That is Your job. But Lord, You have left a fire in our hearts to share the good news because that's the means that You have given us by which men may be saved. God, I pray today that You just give us a strong burning. God, I pray if there's one here again that does not have a relationship with You, that You would convict their hearts before it's eternally too late. God, none of us can know how we're going to leave this world, but we can know, we don't know how we're going to leave it, but Lord, or when we're going to leave it, but Lord, we can know how. God, I pray if there's a born-again believer here today that's struggling with many things, that God, they would not harden their hearts, they would not struggle. Lord, alone, but look to Your Word, for You will give cleansing, and in You there will be found rest. Lord, I pray for the urgency of the saints, that Lord, we're to encourage and lift one another up, to pray for one another, to come aside one another, that even though sometimes it may take a gentle nudge, Lord, sometimes it takes a swift kick. But Lord, when we do it in love, to lift one another up, to hold one another accountable, to show one another that we do what we do because we love Your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank You. We love You and we praise Your name. And all God's people said, stand up and worship with us, please.
had left a crimson stain. 